are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Monday, everybody. Hopefully you had an outstanding Independence Day weekend and a, an awesome 4th of July on Saturday. Today we are going to play the crossover podcast that we recorded last week. Myself, Wes Goldberg from Lockdown Warriors, and Matt Shook from Lockdown Pistons. We recorded the second edition of the Lockdown NBA Podcast Network, Delete 8 Mock Draft, as we're affectionately referring to it. Of course, John Hollinger of the Hollinger and Duncan Podcast and of The Athletic um, coined the phrase Delete 8 for the eight teams that are not included in the 22-team NBA restart in Orlando later on this month. So the eight of us have gotten together, and this is the second edition of said mock draft. This time we shuffled the order, ran the draft lottery odds through. So instead of the third pick, like we had the first time around, the Lockdown Wolves podcast represented by yours truly had the number four pick in this particular mock draft. So we went ahead and recorded. Uh, we gave our reaction on the first three picks of the draft from the uh, the respective three lockdown podcasts that had the first, second, and third picks. And then we each talked through our selections at four, five, and six and debated the pros and cons of each of those picks. So that will be the podcast today. We had a fantastic discussion around those selections. So without further ado, we'll go ahead and get to the second edition of the Delete 8 Locked On NBA podcast mock draft. All right, we're going to talk version two of the Locked On NBA Network Delete 8 mock draft. This is our second go-round of this with each team in a different spot. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm joined today by Wes Goldberg, the host of Locked On Warriors. How's it going, Wes? It's going well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Absolutely. And Matt Shook of Locked On Pistons. How's it going, Matt? Ben, uh, really well here in Detroit City. Beautiful summer weather, so can't complain about that. I wish I could say the same. I'm in Oklahoma City, and it is uh, like 95 with a heat index of like 109 today. So You rarely get uh, that hot, luckily, up here. Yeah, the, the Midwest weather sounds sounds nice right now. Um, excited about part two of our crossover series. We're all going to be uh, posting this as part of a crossover on each of our respective shows. Um, we're going to talk about the first three picks of the draft and, and the picks that the other lockdown hosts have already selected and kind of react to those picks. And then we'll make each of our picks at, uh, at picks four, five, and six. So without further ado, we can jump right into what the other lockdown hosts have selected. Pick number one, the Atlanta Hawks took LaMelo Ball. Um, what, do you guys, what, do you, what are your guys' takes on that? Can I just ask this question? What's the deal with this LaMelo Ball love? Like, look, first of all, Atlanta taking him at number one seems insane to me when you have Trey Young. I just can't. Like, if you want Trey Young to maximize his talents, you want the ball in his hands. And the same has been said of LaMelo Ball this entire time. And I, so I don't understand the fit, but just moreover, I don't understand the obsession with LaMelo. Yeah, he's a great passer. I, I just, I guess I'm not as big on his upside as so many other people are. Wes, thank you so much for saying that. I, I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> not, not only just the other lockdown hosts, but the experts, right? Everyone's kind of coalescing right now around LaMelo Ball and everyone's kind of talking themselves into him. And yeah, we've all seen the highlights. We've all watched some of the games, I'm assuming. And like you said, the passing jumps off the screen. The ball handling is, is strong. And you might be able to talk yourself into other parts of his game, but certainly a lot of holes. A lot of things have to really go well for his career to go the way you want it to. 
and there might be some headaches there. This is a guy who hasn't played against any top-level competition. Yeah, he's played in all sorts of different environments, which I guess is some sort of a positive trait, but Australia, Lithuania, Spire Academy, where he wasn't really playing any games in Ohio, the league that his dad put together for a little while. But really, that sounds like a lot, but there wasn't really a lot of basketball played for him in that time. And yeah, and as, a, as someone who's been watching all the, the Jordan documentaries, all the old Detroit Pistons games here, watching the way that the Pistons built their teams and the way that they were the identity that they created in the late 80s and the 90s and into the 2000s as well. As an old school Pistons fan myself, I have no interest. Yeah, and we're talking about a guy who who we all know one of his biggest shortcomings is is defensively. I know he's longer and he's athletic, and so in theory he could be a good help defender, but pairing him with Trey Young doesn't seem like a recipe for success. There's been some a little bit of movement in Timberwolves circles if they get the first or second pick. Do the Timberwolves take Lamella Ball? And, and there's those same concerns with Ball and D'Angelo Russell next to each other. So I definitely hear that when it comes to, to going to the Hawks. It and, seems like a curious to me. And to be clear, you know, in Pistons Nation, there's a, there's a lot of fans that want LaMelo Ball too. I'm not speaking for all Pistons fans. This is kind of just me personally. But yeah, it's 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 been a bit of a mystery to me, uh, especially when you're thinking about how to build a team correctly when you're at the bottom, like all these teams are, maybe other than the Warriors, uh, in terms of the lottery and, and looking forward to these next few yeah, years. Yeah, Warriors fans are definitely split on LaMelo. For me, he's not even my top point guard in this draft. There's another point guard who I like a lot more. And I like him for the Warriors a lot more. And people I talk to at the Warriors are are also split on LaMelo ball. But I I don't think that the Warriors would take LaMelo, even if they had the number one pick, which they, you know, they are tied for the best odds to get the number one pick. They just didn't get it in this edition of our mock draft. But um, the LaMelo, like, I get he's a genius level passer, but don't we say the same thing about Rajon Rondo and he could barely get off the bench for a Lakers team that has zero good guards? Like, I just, I don't, I just don't get the love. So uh, that's the end of my LaMelo stuff, though. Yeah, and I would just say to to close the book on on ball, but I think I think his floor, you know, certainly, and you don't want to be talking floor when you're talking number one overall pick either. So I think that tells us a little bit about this draft. But um, I mean, yeah, I mean, worst case scenario, he's going to be a, a good backup point guard, right? Um, and because he has that one all star level skill already, probably, which is the court vision and the passing. So there's certainly some appeal to taking a guy who's somewhat of a sure thing. But um, I mean, yeah, if some of the other stuff doesn't develop, the defense, the shooting, it's hard to see him being an all-star caliber player. Um, and that's the ceiling you're looking for if you're drafting a guy first. And one more just real quick thing on the, yeah. the ceiling aspect of it. Let's say you're a team like Minnesota, you're a team like Detroit, you do get the first pick. If LaMelo Ball has a great first start to his career and the ceiling is you know lived up to in those first four years, doesn't he just go to New York or L.A. as a free agent? in the first place aren't you kind of just and I know that if, if it works out maybe the asset is something you can do with and, and it all kind of works out and as a net positive for your organization but still I mean the, the ceiling isn't like you're you're winning championships five six seven years down the road perhaps right absolutely okay the number two pick the Chicago Bulls took Anthony Edwards the guard out of Georgia um reactions love, to the Edwards pick. love this love this um yeah this is Anthony Edwards should have went number one to Atlanta. So to get him, at, if you're Chicago, number two, you're adding maybe the best athlete in the draft when you combine just, again, sheer athleticism, size, um, upside on that end. Uh, if, you're, if you're the Bulls, you add him to a guy like Zach Levine, um, to Kobe White, to Wendell Carter Jr. I think that's a good like, – like that, that group makes a lot of sense. And whether or not you're sold on Levine or not for Chicago – like you either have a very good young trio or a, a, a young um, foursome there 
that are all really athletic. And that's not even including Larry Marketing, who's not necessarily a great athlete, but a good floor spacer who would help a guy like Anthony Edwards, who I think when he gets to the NBA level needs to be in a place that has floor spacing so that he can just get to the rim, be a little bit more efficient than he was at Georgia with Markin in there, with Kobe White spacing the floor and all of that, and Zach Levine spacing the floor. There's going to be a ton of room for Anthony Edwards to cut off the ball, get to the rim, do what he does well, and then just give a little bit more effort defensively where I think he could be a, a, a difference maker. So I love this pick. Yeah, I, I like this pick. I, I don't, you know, I'm not a huge Anthony Edwards guy, but I certainly can see it and certainly understand it with him. And especially as a guy who's somewhat new to basketball with a lot that could kind of unfold for his career there. He's shown the offensive potential. Uh, certainly see it with Anthony Edwards. Um, again, but again, these two stars at the top of the draft, and I know a lot of the experts are coalescing around James Wiseman as possibly a top three pick as well. Those are three guys that I, I really don't love. And almost to the fact that I'm really close to saying the Pistons sitting at number five pre-lottery might be better off not winning the lottery and not getting in the top three just in case you might end up with one of those guys. Instead, maybe some of these guys that we'll be talking about in the quote-unquote second tier might be certainly lower ceiling guys but guys that I see as pretty good building blocks for bad teams that need to not swing and miss on this pick. Yeah, I think Edwards, I, I agree with you, Matt. I'm not a huge Edwards fan myself. I, I mentioned this, the last uh, crossover mock that I did with Wes, actually, that I think Edwards, there's too many, uh, too many similarities to Andrew Wiggins as a prospect with Edwards. For me personally, at least I have, I have bad memories from uh, too many Wiggins years in Minnesota and the expectations there, but as far as what the Bulls have in terms of their roster, I think he fits. I mean, uh, you guys already identified the fit between Levine and, and Markinen and outside of Otto Porter Jr., who has just the uh, the one year left on the, and I think it's a player option. So they, they need some depth on the wing. And so I think that pick makes a ton of sense um, from my perspective. All right, the third pick before we get into our selections, the Cleveland Cavaliers selected Killian Hayes. Um, frankly, uh, this was actually a, a surprise to me. This was for me, shades of uh, last year, the Cavaliers taking Darius Garland one pick before the Timberwolves um, reportedly wanted to take uh, take Garland and ended up getting Jarrett Culver after they traded up. I was actually, um, and I'm, I'm tipping my hand for further mock drafts, I guess, but uh, was was kind of moving towards Killian Hayes if, if I was able to get him at number four and I thought I'd be able to. I think he's a really good fit for a lot of teams because of the different things he can do on the court. It's interesting that Cleveland would take him here given that they have Garland and they have... Um, my mind just went completely blank. Who's the other guard? Yes. Thank you. Um, and interesting that they would take another guy who duplicates some of those same skills. Uh, but certainly I think he belongs in this range of the draft. Um, what do you guys think? I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum with, when it comes to Killian Hayes, I actually think of all these guys that are sort of in the mix, uh, for these top eight, 10, you know, lottery type things. He has like the most bust potential to me. I don't see, like you're saying he does all these things on the floor. Like he can do a lot of different things. I don't really see the things that he does well. He can really only go left. He's not a great ball handler. He's not a great passer. He's just okay at those things. He's not a, he's not a knockdown shooter. He's just sort of okay at that too. Defensively, there's a ton of concerns. I think there are a few teams that make sense for him, like the New York Knicks, uh, Cleveland, if it seems, because in the first version of our mock, they took LaMelo Ball at number two. They seem pretty adamant um from talking like chris manning the host of the co-host of locked on Cavs, they seem to be ready to draft like a a, a full-blown point guard where garland and sexton could sort of play off of that guy a uh, guy who could kind of give the identity to that offense so if that's where the cavaliers are going then if lamello's off the off the table then it makes sense to go with killian hayes because 
he reminds me a lot of D'Angelo Russell, but I actually liked Russell a lot more because he was just way more productive at Ohio State, where I just didn't – that Killian Hayes doesn't have that level of productivity at that level of competition. I'm not high on Hayes. I kind of hate him at number three. Uh, and I wouldn't if, and I think you dodged a bullet now that he, now that you're not able to take him at number four. And I think that uh, Sexton was a nice pick a couple of years ago, but the Garland one to me is going to be one that they'll probably live to regret, especially given that there are some point guards this year, and it sounds like they might be interested in them, especially from what Chris has been saying with locked on Cavs. Uh, not in love with Killian Hayes either. Um, the the lack of burst, the lack of athleticism, certainly scares me off. Uh, this is a guy that. Pistons Nation has kind of coalesced around with LaMelo Ball in some circles as one of the favorite prospects. I kind of wonder on Hayes because I think a lot of analysts and a lot of, you know, the draft Twitter folks are kind of higher on Killian Hayes than maybe the sourced folks that are writing and talking to teams. Now, this might be a little bit of a silly season because it's a weird draft and what about the misinformation that might be out there? But it seems like maybe folks locked on type of hosts might have him uh, a half a tier higher than maybe actual uh, NBA people do, and that maybe he's a a late single digits, um, you know, early teens kind of guy as opposed to a, a top five prospect. So someone that I'll be really interested to see where he uh, eventually slots on draft night for sure. Yeah, and it really feels like he kind of has uh, some of the most variance of any of these prospects right now because because you know you ha- there are a couple big boards out there from. And, you know, the, the so-called draft experts who have him near the top and there's plenty that have him in the eight to 10 range. And, um, for me, I, I kind of split the difference, which is why I take a hard look at, at number four or five for the Timberwolves. Um, if, if he were to be on the board, of course, in this case, he wasn't. Okay. Before we get to our picks in this version of the lockdown NBA podcast, elite eight mock draft, let's talk about our great friends at RockAuto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person at the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right, let's get back to the mock draft. Let's go ahead and move into our picks. The Minnesota Timberwolves had the number four pick in this version of the mock draft. And with Killian Hayes off the board, I went ahead and took Obi Toppin out of Dayton for the second consecutive mock draft. 
for all the same reasons I took him previously. Uh, basically, I think the Timberwolves offense, this, it's already really potent, especially with Malik Beasley in the fold. If they do keep him, if they if they are able to keep him in restricted free agency, D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, you add another guy who is a plus shooter at his position and ultra athletic can run the floor. There's of course the sky high comparisons of Amari Stoudemire. Um, I don't know that he's Amari Stoudemire and admittedly he, for some teams, he could be a little bit of a reach at four, but I think it's so tantalizing to consider, consider pairing him with towns in the front court, being able to give this team all kinds of versatility and ability in the open court shooting at four of the five starting um, spots that's above league average. Um, it's exactly the way that Gerson Rosas, the president of basketball ops, and the uh, Ryan Saunders, the head coach, that's how they want to play. They want to play fast. They want to shoot threes. Toppin does all those things. The only real drawback is the defense. And um, frankly, I mean, they're just kind of trying to make those moves around the edges to improve the defense by adding guys like, um, you know, Josh Kogi, Jarrett Culver last year is supposed to develop into a good perimeter defender. So I think this team is already just trying to outscore teams. And I, this is another move in that direction. I just think the offensive upside of, of pairing Toppin with Towns and Russell and Malik Beasley is uh, is too much to pass up here. Yeah, Ben. Tell me, I, tell me I'm wrong. No, Ben, I thought you were wrong the first time we did this. Uh, you took Obi Toppin at three, and I was like, that's a really weird pick. But you, you, you and I kind of talked through it. And the more I thought about it, the more I like it. Uh, the, the Timberwolves, if you're just going to be bad on defense, then just be bad. And just try to outscore teams, I guess, is the is the theory there. Speaking but, like a true Warriors fan for back in the day, right? <laughs> but um, uh, I do think that uh, it, it does make sense as far as the ethos that they're trying to to establish there. And you're like defensively, like what player are you going to take at four that is going to substantially uh, improve your defense? Though it's it's like you said, those moves on the margins. Go out and get some vets who can actually do some stuff defensively. Then you can really improve your team and then just go out and get high ceiling guys. Trust that Ryan Saunders can coach this team up. Trust that whatever vets or, you know, quasi vets that you bring in could also help coach this team up and establish a little bit more of a culture of defense. Cause that's really what's missing. But when right. D'Angelo Russell and, and towns are the linchpins of your team, literally like just the middle of your team between point guard and center, um, you're going to just be bad defensively. And I don't know if you, right. whatever power forward you have is going to do enough to, to make up for that. So go ahead and just take Obi Toppin. I'm fine with it. Yeah. And I think, so clearly, I mean, you identified it. Townsend Russell are, it's the core of the team on both ends of the floor. They, they just are. And so on some level, they're banking on those guys improving defensively. If this team's ever going to be a, you know, I think they can make the playoffs by being a bad defensive team and just being one of the league's five or six best offensive teams, but you're going to win 45 games and lose in the first round or second round. Um, but they're banking on at least one of those guys figuring it out defensively to some extent anyways. And so why not just go all in on being better offensively, hope that Towns can step up and be the defender he was for stretches when Kevin Garnett was on the team three years ago, or, um, you know, even a couple of other times throughout you know, recent Timberwolves history where he had these strong defensive stretches. You might as well play that up. Um, you know, they added James Johnson last year. He's a, he's a good team defender. Um, you know, make a few of those moves to just kind of be good enough on that end. I think the comparison I made the last time we talked to Wes was the Rockets a few years ago. I mean, they've been making the playoffs every year now for a long time. And early on, they were just a playoff team that got eliminated because they weren't good defensively. They've improved on that end of the floor. And, and, um, Clearly, that's the model Rosas is trying to follow. He sees Russell as his James Harden. Again, they're not the same player, but there's some similarities. And I think this is an instance where they they continue to go all in on the, uh, the all offense. Yeah, I don't have. A, I like the pick in the fit wise for Minnesota. Um, and I know that you don't necessarily at this 
high of a draft, usually you're taking best player available. You're not really thinking about position, but I think we've gotten into a tier here where we're talking about role players and, and really not much of a margin between these 10, maybe, maybe not quite, maybe seven or eight prospects that we're all thinking about in this level. So I think you do kind of look at your roster composition. You do kind of look at fit, especially with a guy like Obi Toppin, who's so productive in college and an older guy that you would expect to slot in right away and give serious minutes, especially in a team like Minnesota. Detroit really wasn't considering, in my opinion, Toppin. And, and only because, like I said, it's a position thing. I think Obi Toppin's a four at this level. And, uh, you know, Blake Griffin, you got to hope and assume that the Pistons, that he's healthy. Uh, Christian Wood, you got to hope and assume that you can get him an unrestricted free agency, bring him back. And then your best future player is Sekou Dumbuya. So the, and he's those are all fours that don't play a whole lot of defense. And Obi Toppin's kind of that same player. So there just wouldn't be a lot of minutes. And, and certainly you'd find minutes for a guy you pick in the top five. But it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for that player in particular to come to this Pistons roster. But I think it makes sense for Minnesota. Great. Thanks, guys. I guess uh, just the uh, for the record, the other guys I would consider, um, you know, if, if Hayes had been on the board, it would have been a tough call for me, honestly. I think I think that his uh, offensive versatility, and yeah, he's pretty similar to Russell, but I think for the same reasons, he's a, a guy that could be really interesting as a, um, you know, a guy that could play next to Russell, play off the bench a little bit as a sixth man. Um, so I would have considered him had he been on the board. Um, I think some of the other guys, like you said, Matt, they're, they're, it feels a little early to take some of these guys that are going to be role player uh, like strictly three and D type guys, whether it be Devin Vassell, uh, really like him, you know, as if the wolves fall a little bit in the lottery or um, even an Isaac Okoro, who's a little bit less of a shooter, but um, some of those guys are going to slot in as more role players that would fit what the wolves do. But I think you take the guy with a little bit of, of a higher upside and, and top end is, is ultimately where I landed here. Let's move on to our next pick. That's pick number five, and that belongs to Wes and the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, actually thrilled with who I was able to get here uh, with Tyrese Halliburton, the guard at Iowa State. Um, I think the guys you're also considering here that make sense if you're if the Warriors or a guy uh, is uh, Denny Avija, um, the forward, and then I guess one of these centers like James Wiseman now is falling. I think this is the point in the ESPN broadcast where they keep panning to James Wiseman and his at home camera, and they're like, "What's up with Wiseman? Where is, is he going to go?" The Warriors, they don't have an all-star center. Could they Could they take him? And then they don't because the Warriors don't want a center right now in the top five. They want to pay a project center like Wiseman um, the money that they're going to have to pay him because that's not the formula that's worked for the Warriors during the championship runs. They are a plug-and-play, bullpen-style center position. They, they like to just rotate guys in and, out, in, in and out. They like what they've got from Marquise Chris. Kevon Looney is going to be healthy next year, presumably. They'll probably add a free agent or two. I just don't know that they want to use this resource and invest so heavily in that position because they also want to still be playing Draymond Green at center. So that's where a guy like Tyrese Halliburton comes in because he's a wing who can handle the ball. He's extremely versatile. I said at the top of the show, Lamella Ball is this genius level passer. Watch Tyrese Halliburton at Iowa State. He doesn't do all the flashy stuff that Lamella Ball does, just as genius level as a passer. Just, just so instinctual, knows how to keep the ball moving, knows how to play within the flow of the offense and take over when he has to. Um, which is exactly what Steve Kerr wants. And uh, I think they view Halliburton as a guy who could maybe play that Sean Livingston role for them. I actually think he could play a better role than that. I think he'd be a better player for them. And I think I, I'm actually really high on his ceiling. No, he's not the athlete of an Anthony Edwards. He's not the flashy guy that Lamelo Ball is. Doesn't have the athleticism and, and size that a Wiseman does. But 
I, when we talk about ceiling, I think we overlook just feel for the game, basketball IQ, so often. And you watch Halliburton play, and he's got this interesting in-between game. He's got a floater. He figures out ways to score. It reminds me a little bit of C.J. McCollum, where people are really low on his ceiling coming out. And with, I think that that thing in and of itself can just keep you in the league for a long time, and it's something that you could build off of. I trust Halliburton's ability to score, even if he's not going to be dunking to score. I trust his ability to defend because he actually defends unlike LaMelo Ball, unlike Killian Hayes, where we're like, well, they've got the size to defend, but it's like more theoretical. Halliburton's actually done it. He was productive at Iowa State. He's not this coulda, woulda, shoulda prospect. He's just done it for two years. And I think the Warriors would be thrilled to get him at number five. And if they do end up at number five, I strongly think that he's like real life going to be in consideration for them if he's, at the, if he's still on the board. So I take Halliburton here. Yeah, Pistons are here in the war room. We're, we're real disappointed because we wanted to maybe take uh, Tyrese Halliburton. And now uh, I was going to kind of succumb to, to the Pistons Twitter and Pistons Nation and probably take a point guard at number uh, six here. But now the Halliburton and Hayes and Ball are all off the board. That's no longer being considered. So, yeah, uh, I like the DNA. I like the player in Halliburton. Like you talked about the defense, I think that's kind of got to be a prerequisite to play on the Detroit Pistons. And uh, Halliburton was certainly high on my list. Uh, one of the top guys on my list. I haven't uh, quite put out my 2.0 draft board for the, the Pistons right now, but Halliburton's going to be right near that list. So we're disappointed here in Detroit. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I mean, he's, I didn't mention him as somebody that I was looking at, but he's right in that same range for me, that four to six-ish range where I think the the creativity, the playmaking ability, the size, um, I think to be able to step in and be a savvy defender. Um, that's, that fits exactly with what the Warriors need. Um, from my perspective, you know, in that role that I don't know what that means, um, uh, moving forward for Andrew Wiggins and how quickly the Warriors are moving on from him, but he's the type of player. That's the role that they want Wiggins to fill. I think from, from, from my well, take I think on what it, I, I, I think like what you could do now is you could play a closing five. And I, I mentioned a formula, like they like the death line of formula. They are Steve Kerr plans to use Draymond Green at center a lot more next yeah. season. And you could play Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Tyrese Halliburton, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond yep. Green as your closing five. And I think all that's a really versatile defensive group. Halliburton can guard three positions. Yep. Wiggins could guard probably four positions in today's NBA. Like yep. a few years ago, probably not. But there's a lot of power forwards now the same size. And then Draymond Green is obviously Draymond Green. Yeah. Yeah, I like the fit. I think it's uh, it would actually be pretty scary. I I just really don't like the idea of the Warriors having a, a top five pick as it is. But uh, uh, this would this would be a, this this is a good fit for them, I think. Yeah. So Pistons here at number six, and uh, you know we're looking at like I said, we were looking at point guards. All those guys are kind of off the board um, for guys that we would consider this high. Would have considered Anthony Edwards because of the potential. So now we're kind of back to wings and bigs here. Uh, we considered Avdija. Uh, too many questions with me. Uh, I want to hit this pick. Uh, want to establish culture and make sure we hit this pick with a very good player with the beginning of the Troy Weaver era coming from Oklahoma City. Did consider Devin Vassell. Uh, but to me, uh, just not enough production in two years of college for a guy who's supposed to be an emerging offensive player. I watch college basketball. And for someone – or, or uh, when I do watch college basketball – for someone to be scoring 12 points a game in their sophomore year of college and uh, to be a perimeter player that's talked about as someone who can be a uh, capable offensive talent, that's just not enough for me. I want to have someone who's a little bit more productive in college. Kind of same goes for Isaac Okoro, although I do witness the uh, the defensive ceiling that's pretty high with Isaac Okoro, but he was considered as kind of a culture pick as well, but just too many holes on offense, uh, too raw, but I do recognize that potential on D. So I know that uh, picking a center this high – 
is tough for a lot of people. And certainly we are looking at James Wiseman. I know that it, another guy who I think that uh, kind of the reverse of Killian Hayes, where it seems like the teams might be kind of high on James Wiseman, but the analysts don't really like James Wiseman. But we are looking at that star potential. We did consider him. But at the end of the day, we went with the same guy as the Delete A 1.0. And that's Inyeka Kongwu of USC. Um, just kind of seems like a guy who's going to be a solid player. And I know it sucks to go through the season that the Pistons just did and to be sitting at number six and to maybe be talking about a guy who's, who's just going to be a solid player, maybe even a, a, a bench player throughout his career. Um, hopefully he turns into a low-level starter at some point. But a guy who's very productive in one year at USC, he's still young, gives a crap defensively. Uh, is effective defensively and uh, picks well, rolls well, so he'll start off with a pretty strong part of his career. He's going to mesh well with guys like Blake Griffin and Christian Wood and Sekou Dumbuya, who you figure will be more advanced offensively and that Onyeka can kind of play off of those guys. And, uh, you know, talking about taking a center, looking at the Troy Weaver era in Oklahoma City when he was helping out Sam Presti, this is a team, and I know that Kevin Durant and, and Russell Westbrook and James Harden, it's obviously in a unique formula that they were drafting under. But this is a team that took basically four centers in their last 11 first-round picks of guys that they walked away from draft night uh, in their pocket with. And, uh, you know, some of these names are pretty questionable players, but, you know, Stephen Adams being one of them. But uh, they've shown a propensity for taking centers, which I know is a little bit of uh, uh, something that the front offices don't do or maybe shouldn't do because of the value selection there. But uh, Okongwu looks like a Detroit Piston to me and looks like a guy who's going to fit into this team nicely and help establish the culture uh, that we're, we've been talking about trying to get back to since, uh, you know, really the, the going to work here from the mid-2000s. Well, I, I love this pick. I loved it the last time you did it. I loved it this time that you did it. Um, he's kind of the opposite of Andre Drummond, right? And when you look at – you mentioned a guy like Stephen Adams uh, under Weaver. And it, he – the guy that worked out, a guy like Stephen Adams – is a more traditional center, but it's also like a non-numbers center. He, his his uh, contributions aren't often reflected in the box score. We know that about him. I think a Congo could be a very similar player for Detroit where, uh, yeah, Drummond put up numbers, right? Like he was that 2020 guy, whatever. But he didn't help the team win. He didn't help in a playoff setting. And I think a Congo is basically the opposite of that. He might not be putting up 20 and 20, but he's extremely switchable, very fluid athlete. There's, there's a ton of things that he could do to help this team on the floor. It might not show up in the final box score of every game, but he's going to make Blake Griffin better. He's going to make whoever ends up uh, leading the offense better from a point guard uh, perspective. I, I just think that there's a lot of things that he checks, and he's just one of these guys who just covers up a lot of holes that this team has, uh, at least potentially. And uh, I think it's a home run pick for you guys. Yeah, I really like Okongwu as a prospect. I think... Um, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Wes, with, with describing him compared to some of these other Pistons big men. I think Okongwu is, he's so switchable defensively. He's, um, he's going to be able to guard multiple positions in the pick and roll and uh, be able to cover the paint. He's not going to be a high usage offensive guy. You don't need to give him the ball. He's not going to run down and, and, you know, use up too many post-ups over the course of a game. Um, but he's, he's the type of guy who's going to make the winning plays really on both ends of the floor. I mean, I think he can be good offensively in the pick and roll um, and uh, can fit a couple of different roles on that end of the floor. And honestly, from a Timberwolves perspective, if, if our best player wasn't Carl Anthony Towns, he's somebody who we'd look hard at just in terms of improving the defense. And um, there's even some, I've seen some chatter among Timberwolves fans 
that you know they're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole here and make a Kongwu into a, a power forward and say, oh, I think he could play by t- next to Towns because Towns can space the floor. And and I, you know I don't know that that works. I think a Kongwu is just a center and and he's got a great wingspan and he. I mean, I don't know that he's a. He, I don't know that he would work as a four, but it would. I think the Timberwolves pause here just because, um, you know, prior to this pick, if he's on the board, because I think a Kongwu immediately could step in and be a key part of a, an NBA defense from day one. So I, I really like the pick for you guys too. Yeah, we're happy with it, and um, that you know that's that's the thing. I think there's not much great upside to me being in that top three, but this four, five, six, where you know certainly Pistons fans expect to to end up. Uh, could not could could be not so bad. You're going to end up with a pretty good player, someone who I think contributes in this league for a long time, and some of those other names I talked about and the guys that you got grabbed as well at four and five are going to be players that uh, should be able to help teams win and turn things around. Although you know, I think a team like Minnesota, well, Minnesota maybe less so with D'Angelo Russell. We'll see how that all kind of goes. But Detroit is a team that is looking at this as a multi-year project, and I don't think they need to swing and miss on or swing for the fences on certain guys that might be able to be stars. I think that you're kind of resigned to the fact that maybe next year with Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green is the time you kind of really hope and pray that the, the, the lottery ping pong balls fall your way and you can have that, that franchise changing type of player. But for right now, for Troy Weaver, it's about establishing a culture and making sure you don't miss on this pick as opposed to hitting a home run. Absolutely. Um, all right. That wraps up four, five, and six. Any final thoughts from you guys at all? Um, surprising by uh, just surprised overall by who's still left on the board a little bit with James Wiseman continuing the slide. Yep. Denny, I think is, is sliding, but I think he's basically sliding when you talk to really anybody. Um, uh, there's Isaac Okoro wasn't picked in the top six either. I think there's a lot of movement on him too. Um, as far as where he slots in, some people seem high, some people seem pretty low on him, but I, I think the names overall that are included here makes sense. I think there was just some questionable picks at the top, but that those questionable picks, I think helped the three teams that were on this podcast yeah. um, uh, a lot. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see about James Wiseman. I'm going to take a closer look at uh, some of the AAU tape out there and uh, what the smart people are saying about him. Cause he's kind of that wild card out there where some people might listen to this podcast and say, how do all three of you guys not grab James Wiseman when he's got a little bit of that potential, but I kind of agree with each of the individual picks that we made, but like, but that being said, maybe someone at seven or eight or even farther down the list than that might be really happy to end up getting James Wiseman, especially with the chip on his shoulder of falling in the draft like that. Yeah. He's kind of that guy who a few months ago, you would have said he's probably the number one overall pick and, and everybody would have kind of nodded and been like, yeah, that makes sense. And then suddenly we're talking, you know, late single digits um, and, you know, still on the board. So, um, if you're listening to this, make sure you check out the uh, other editions of this podcast, the first three picks, as well as the Knicks and Hornets who are picking after us. Thanks once again, both of you guys, for joining me today. All right, so there you have it. Once again, yours truly selects Obi Toppin out of Dayton with the number four pick. This time, last time was the number three pick for the Timberwolves. We'll do at least one more of these here prior to the draft lottery, which is in August. So we'll likely have uh, some different guests, um, a different different hosts on the crossover podcast. And then after the mock draft, excuse me, after the draft lottery happens in late August, I'm sure we'll have another one or two of these episodes leading into the draft, which of course is in October this year. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back on Wednesday with another episode of Lockdown Wolves. That's all we have for today's show. Thanks once again for joining us on the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. 
Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves. That's at Locked On T Wolves. Don't forget the T. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.